Welcome back to the Growing Patriot Podcast. I'm Amelia Hamilton, your host. Last week, we talked about America's first settlement at Jamestown. This week, we're heading up the coast to Massachusetts to talk about what many people think was America's first settlement, the pilgrims who came over on the Mayflower and settled at Plymouth Rock. I've been so excited about this episode because we have the coolest guests this week. First, we have John. I'm going to let him introduce himself. My name is John and I am eight years old, just turned eight, and I'm from Michigan. I've been really excited to have John on because one of his ancestors was actually on the Mayflower, so he is the perfect person to have on this week. And his ancestor, John Howland, actually has a really cool story about being on the Mayflower, and we're going to hear about that later, too. First, we're going to get John's questions. What did they eat? That's a good one. Okay, what's your second question? How many people were on the Mayflower? How many people survived? How many people died? Oh, that's a good one, too. What's next? Did any people bring animals? Those are all really good questions. Before we get to the answers to those questions, let's just talk a little bit about the pilgrims. The Mayflower left Plymouth, England in September of 1620. They were actually headed for Virginia, but hit so many storms and things along the way that they ended up hitting land in Massachusetts. You've probably heard that the Pilgrims left England in search of religious freedom, and that was true, but they actually first left England and went to Holland. But while they were there, they still wanted to be English, and they had a hard time keeping that identity, and they had a really hard time making a living. They heard that the New World was a land of opportunity, so they headed back to England, got on the Mayflower, and set sail for a new world where the amount of religious freedom would be the same, but they could also still be themselves, and the opportunity was endless. So now that you know the background, let's get back to John's questions. to have the perfect person joining us today to answer those questions, and that is Dr. George Garmany, Governor General of the Mayflower Society. And now back to John's questions. What did they eat? You know, that's a great question because when you, uh, when you pack for a long trip, you always have to think about how you're going to preserve things like the food. Today, we, we have refrigerators, we have coolers, we have all kinds of things, and, and uh, uh, we can keep food in cans. The pilgrims really didn't have that. They pretty much had to keep their food in barrels. Barrels uh, kept the food protected, and it kept it away from the rats and the mice and things that might eat it. So, uh, so they had to bring anything that they wanted in barrels. They ate a lot of very hard biscuits. The, 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 their biscuits were called hardtack, and hardtack uh, would be difficult to chew and so forth, but, uh, but that was, their, was sort of their bread while they were on the, on the Mayflower. They, t- they ate salt beef and salt pork. Hmm. Again, before the days of refrigeration, the only real way to preserve meat on uh, for, for a long trip like that was to salt it down. And so, uh, so they, it, was, uh, it was very salty stuff that they that they uh, ate on the Mayflower. They had some oats, some mm-hmm. wheat, 
they probably made that into something like oatmeal and uh, and cream of wheat uh, would be the closest thing that we have today. Uh, but they had the they had those grains and the, and they cooked them. We know that they must have carried some water in order to cook those kinds of things. But you know they didn't they didn't think that you could keep water for a long voyage like that that the water would go bad. Oh, and so they drank they they took to drink with them cider and beer. And that's pretty much what they came across <laughs> the Atlantic on was was cider and beer. They also had some some codfish, uh, some peas. They they ate a lot of cheese uh, and uh, and they had some some rice and some bacon. So we know of a fair number of things that they had to eat. But I'm sure in two and a half months it got kind of boring eating those things. <laughs> I bet so. How many people were on the Mayflower? How many people survived? How many people died? We know that there were 102 passengers on the Mayflower. Uh, believe it or not, only one of them actually died during the voyage itself. Oh, wow. uh, one person died only about three days uh, before they, they first spotted land in, in New England. Oh, but everybody else uh, survived the trip. As you know, John, the, uh, <laughs> your ancestor, John Holland, almost died because he fell off the boat. <laughs> uh, he was fortunate to, to grab a rope that was, that was dragging. They should have been dragging a rope in, in the ocean, but they were. It saved his life. And the, the pilgrims were very glad that, uh, that he was saved. <laughs> but they said there was one person who died during the voyage, and you might not know this, there was one baby born on the voyage. Oh. Uh, and, and so when they got to New England, they still had, had 102 people. Oh, wow. That's interesting. They, it is interesting. When they first got to uh, to New England, they spent about a month at the tip of Cape Cod to the place that's now called Provincetown, looking for, for places where they could live. During the month that they were there in a, in the Provincetown Harbor, uh, several people got sick and, and several things happened. So they actually had four more people die during that, that month that they were in, in Provincetown. Mm-hmm. One of them actually fell off the boat. Uh, and uh, and drowned, so so they lost a total of five people uh, during the during the time before they got to Plymouth, and oh I forgot to tell you another baby was born in the Provincetown Harbor, so okay. they had two two new ones by the time they, uh, they they arrived in Plymouth. Wow, that's something. Yeah, well, again, uh, part part of the interesting story is that uh, in in England, I men. We're never around childbirth. Uh, childbirth was something that was the, the, the that was women's work uh, and so sure. forth. But on the Mayflower, they were all right there, and uh, and uh, th- things happened that uh, that nobody would have ever, ever have expected. Uh, just uh, you know, there was a, a social mixing that, that couldn't possibly have happened otherwise. Yeah, nowhere to go. <laughs> no, exactly, exactly. Did any people bring animals? We only know for sure about two dogs. Oh. There was an English Mastiff dog and an English Spaniel. Uh, and actually, somebody has written a, a child's book about uh, about the Mastiff. So, uh, so there is a book out there uh, for for kids about the about the dogs on the Mayflower. We think that they we're, we're pretty sure that they also had some chickens on the boat because there's discussion uh, uh, during that first couple of years about uh, about making chicken chicken broth to uh, to help people. Uh, so so we think they had chickens and they may also have had some pigs. The mm-hmm. only thing we know for sure is that when somebody visited Plymouth in 1623, uh, he counted that they had six goats, fifty pigs, and many many chickens. Wow. So, so <laughs> To come over in the meantime, so uh, so we don't know whether the goats may have come on a later boat, but uh, but we're pretty sure they had pigs and chickens too. Sure, that makes sense. 
Yeah, yeah, they uh, they would would bring that, and it wasn't by by sixteen twenty five or so they had uh, they had some some cattle they, uh, they they were starting to starting to to, to raise cattle too. Oh. Uh, all of which was extraordinary to the to the, Indian, the Native Americans. Uh, the uh, the Native Americans uh, really didn't domesticate uh, uh, animals for food and, and so forth. They they had dogs, but uh, they didn't have many other uh, mm-hmm. many other domesticated animals. So as Dr. Garmany mentioned. The original John Howland had a little bit of a mishap coming over on the Mayflower. And we talked about those storms a little bit, too, also setting everyone off course. And that's how they ended up in Massachusetts. So our guest, John, this week had a few questions for Dr. Garmany about his ancestor, John Howland. Let's answer those now. How did he fall overboard? How did they pull John Howland up when he fell overboard? (laughs) Well... You know, it was a stormy crossing. It, it wasn't just a simple uh, pleasure cruise that, that they took, and the, and the ship was constantly rocking back and forth from from side to side. Imagine also that uh, it, in storms it was wet, and I mm-hmm. think it was there was a storm going on when Holland uh, fell off the the, the boat. So I, uh, you know, the, the ship tipped and he slipped and and slid off the off the edge of the boat. Wow! And then you said that they were they happened to be dragging a rope, and that's how he got back on. <laughs> yeah, well, uh, the the mariners uh, look at that as a sign of, of sloppy sloppy seamanship to be dragging a rope. You're not supposed to be dragging a rope in the ocean. Uh, it uh, it slows you down and it can catch on things. <laughs> but uh, but nonetheless, there was a rope again. There was probably a, there was a storm going on, and something something blew loose and was was uh, was in the ocean. But uh, I, yes, there was a rope uh, dragging, uh, and and John Howland uh, got a hold of it, and they 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 managed to hoist him back uh, back onto the ship. Wow! And they took that as a as a good sign. Oh, that was that was uh, more than a good sign. It was a sign from God that, that God took favor on their on their trip. It was interesting. There was uh, you asked about deaths. One of the sailors had died uh, be, before that time. Uh, and apparently the sailor had been fairly abusive to them. So, uh, so they, they regarded the sailor's death and, and the, the miraculous salvation of their, uh, of their own, uh, member as, as signs that, uh, that God, uh, smiled on, on their, their plans. Well, you can't do better than God's providence. <laughs> <laughs> there, there's so many interesting stories about that. Remember, they, uh, they arrived in, in Plymouth, uh, uh, and there were cleared fields for them. They, uh, the, the the Native Americans uh, had had a terrible epidemic and had had sort of abandoned this uh, this town that they used for summer corn growing and so forth. Uh, so the, the pilgrims didn't have to have to clear uh, clear fields. They took that as a sign of, of God's providence and so mm-hmm. forth. Uh, it's actually uh, remarkable that they happened to come to one of the few places on the eastern seacoast that they they really could could set up uh, could set up a town pretty pretty quickly. It is. Wow. So there you have it. It was all God's blessing on the voyage. This was actually such a big deal. William Bradford, who was one of the founders of the Plymouth Colony and a longtime governor of it as well, wrote about it in his book, Bradford's History of Plymouth Plantation. Here's what he wrote. In a mighty storm, a lusty young man called John Howland, coming upon some occasion above ye gratings, was with the seal of the ship thrown into ye sea, but it pleased God yet that he caught hold of ye topsail halyards, which hung overboard and ran out at length. Yet he held his hold, though he was sundry fathoms under water, till he was hauled up by ye same rope to ye brim of ye water, and then with a boat hook and other means got ye into ye ship again and his life saved. 
and though he was something ill with it, yet he lived many years after and became a profitable member, both in church and commonwealth. This was such an important event that he remembered it years later and wrote about it, because they saw it as a sign of God's providence and a blessing upon their voyage. So you can see why I was so excited to have John as a guest today. You've probably heard that the Mayflower landed at Plymouth Rock, but it actually landed more like Cape Cod. At least, that's what it's called today. It was in mid-December that they sailed down to Plymouth Harbor and landed at Plymouth Rock. The story goes that Plymouth Rock is the first place that the pilgrims set their feet when they got off the boat at Plymouth. That rock is still in Plymouth today. More than a million people go and visit it every year. One other really important thing happened, though, between the time they first landed and the time they got to Plymouth. So before we move on, let's just talk about that for a second. Since they had originally intended to land in Virginia, they would have been subject to those rules and those laws. But instead, they landed in a whole new place. So they had to make up their own rules. This is called the Mayflower Compact. It says that King James is still their king, but that the people of the new colony would make the decisions together for what they were going to do. It was a whole new kind of fairness and equality, and they were off to a new start in the new world. Even though the journey and the settlement hadn't been what they expected, William Bradford was certain that the Massachusetts Bay Colony had been chosen by God to be a beacon for Christians around the world. In his book, he wrote, As one small candle may light a thousand, so the light here kindled hath shown to many in some sort to our whole nation. that first winter at Plymouth, a lot of the colonists just stayed on the ship because conditions on land were so difficult in a Massachusetts winter. It wasn't like anything that they'd seen before. But in the spring, when settlers moved ashore, some of the Native Americans helped them. They helped them learn how to grow corn, get sap from maple trees, that's like syrup, catch fish, and which plants to avoid eating that would make them sick. They helped them become friends with other Native American tribes and taught them other things that they would need to know to be healthy and prosperous in their new home. So in November of 1621, almost a year after they first landed, the Pilgrims had their first corn harvest, and it was so successful that William Bradford, the governor of Massachusetts Colony, had a celebration. It was a big feast, and he invited their Native American friends to come along and join in. Do you know what that was? We know it now as the first Thanksgiving. They didn't use that term then, but it was a big feast lasting for three days. Edward Winslow wrote at the time that Governor Bradford had four men go hunting in preparation for the event, and that some of the Native Americans brought five deer to eat. That must have been quite a feast, especially after such a difficult time. next few decades. Do you know what a decade is? It means 10 years. As the Massachusetts colony continued to grow, it actually broke into three colonies, and you know them as states today. So there's Massachusetts, of course. Then there's Rhode Island and Connecticut. Rhode Island was established in 1636 when Roger Williams had to leave the Massachusetts Bay Colony and started something new that fit better with his religious views. 
They had their own compact called the Portsmouth Compact, which governed them. The Portsmouth Compact created Rhode Island as a Christian colony, but one that wasn't any specific kind of Christian. It has been called the first instrument for governing as a true democracy, which means that everyone gets a vote. It was also the very first document in American history that cut both political and religious ties with England. And later, they would be the very first colony to renounce allegiance to the British crown. In the same year, 1636, a group of Puritans from Massachusetts Colony established the Connecticut Colony at Hartford. The name Connecticut comes from an Algonquin word that means long tidal river. Of course, Connecticut had a founding document too. This document, called the Fundamental Orders of Connecticut, is kind of like a constitution, and some think of it as the first written constitution. It focused on the rights of each individual person. You might notice something that all three of these have in common, and that's that the people had the right to govern themselves. This is going to be really important as we move forward in American history, and it's going to be something that you see in a lot of different colonies. So, now we're up to four American colonies. Virginia, Massachusetts, Connecticut, and Rhode Island. The American colonies are moving along fast. And so is this episode. I feel like it went along really quickly. Let's talk about what we learned today. We learned that the Pilgrims were actually headed for Virginia, but storms sent them to Massachusetts instead. We learned that the Pilgrims came to America for religious freedom, but also for opportunity. We learned that on the Mayflower, the Pilgrims ate hard biscuits called hardtack, they had salt beef and salt pork, oats, wheat, codfish, peas, cheese, rice, and bacon, and to drink they had beer, cider, and water. It sounds like a lot, but after a few months, I bet that got pretty boring. 102 people left on the Mayflower, and 102 people made it to the New World, but it wasn't the same 102 people. One person died just before they made land, and one other person was born on the way. There were probably chickens on the Mayflower, and maybe also pigs. A couple of years later, there were goats in Plymouth, so there might have even been goats on the boat. But all we know for sure is that there were two dogs, and whoever those two people were who had the dogs, I know I would have liked them, because there's no way that I would leave for a new world without my dog either. Everybody thinks of Plymouth Rock when they think of the Mayflower landing, but it really landed in Cape Cod. It was only later that they moved down the coast a little bit to land in Plymouth. While they were at Cape Cod, they had to come up with a new way to govern since they wouldn't be governed by the laws of Virginia. They came up with the Mayflower Compact, so they would still be ruled by King James, but make decisions together amongst themselves for day-to-day -day things. After that first difficult winter at Plymouth, the Native Americans became their friends and helped them learn how to create a new life in the New World. After their first successful harvest, the Pilgrims held a feast in celebration and invited their Native American friends. We know that now as the first Thanksgiving. As the years went by, the Massachusetts colony broke into three different colonies. One stayed Massachusetts, one became Rhode Island, and one became Connecticut. Each had their own founding document, but they were all based on the idea of individual freedom, which became a really important idea in America and would set fire to become the American Revolution.
Well, that's it for this week. Thank you so much for joining me. Thank you so much to Dr. George Garmany from the Mayflower Society and to John for coming on and letting us share a little of his family history. As always, you can visit growingpatriots.com to find more resources for this episode and the others, as well as to learn more about me and to check out the books. You can find me on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. I'm Growing Patriots on all of those. And we will see you next week where we learn about the next few American colonies. See you then. Bye. They freed us all from tyranny. Restared the thing for liberty. And they thought so we would be America. Land of the free. America. Land of the free.